It saddened Cassie, so close to Christmas, to see a lonely Santa Claus sitting by himself, alone in his workshop. Hey, Santa. Santa looked up at Cassie and smiled. Hi. Strange, huh? Santa nodded. Yeah. Smoke? Santa dug inside his red coat for a pack of Newports. Cassie started to get up, heading for their cigarette spot just outside the mall. But Santa didn't bother to get up. The hell with him. He lit a cigarette and handed it to Cassie. She took the cigarette and sat back down. The hell with all of them. Santa peeled off the itchy Santa beard. He was going to enjoy his Newport. Cassie stared at the beardless Santa Claus. There was something oddly familiar about Santa's five o'clock shadow. For Oliver Berryhill, the rest of his shift passed by in a paranoid blur. He wasn't sure which was worse, that Detective Bebedict didn't believe his story, or that Little Mac did. Oliver had no doubt that Little Mac intended to avenge his father's death. He had no clear sense of the detective's intentions. When Oliver left the Mall of New Jersey at the end of his shift, it was early in the evening. The sky was gradually darkening, a winter chill in the air, a light rain starting to fall. He looked but did not see Little Mac anywhere. He was not comforted by Little Mac's absence. Oliver Berryhill thought about the second dead body. He did not believe in coincidence. Two dead bodies don't just happen. Oliver wondered about the relationship between Teddy Makaborski and this latest dead body. There was a connection between the two deaths. Of that, Oliver was certain. There was at least one killer on the loose. Oliver realized there was more for him to worry about than Little Mac, more than Detective Bebedict. He just didn't know who or why. Oliver walked to his car and got in. He started up the ignition, turning on the headlights and the windshield wipers. It promised to be a gloomy ride home. As he pulled out of the lot, he kept his eyes focused on the road ahead. He tried not to think about the dangers. It was an uneventful drive home, but Oliver had seen enough movies to know that the solitary drive, peering out the rain-streaked windshield, the wipers keeping time like a metronome, the headlights illuminating a quiet country road, would be scored with an ominous soundtrack, cueing the movie audience to the impending danger. It was an uneventful drive home, but if Oliver listened hard enough, he could hear the ominous soundtrack as clearly as if he were already home, watching the DVD release of one of the old Hitchcock classics. He was Joan Fontaine, in the car with Laurence Olivier, on the road to Manderley. Or Joan Fontaine, in the car with Cary Grant, driving along the cliff. In either case, he was Joan Fontaine. The ominous soundtrack was scored for him.